Welcome to the Emergent Experience Podcast. I'm Monique. And I'm Satoya. We are two close friends that share a passion for self-care, personal growth, and women's empowerment through honest dialogue and shared life experiences. Thank Thank you for for joining us. Hello, Emergent listeners. It is a beautiful day. And we got some good topics to talk about. Um, it's not a beautiful day here. Well, <laughs> it's a thunderstorm here. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for God because you know you're over the other side over there, <laughs> and I'm over here in New York. It is a beautiful day though. Um, we're this is episode three of season two, and we decided that I think it's a good time to talk about imposter syndrome. Yes, we, even though we kind of don't want to talk about it. No, because it. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with this. And if you don't, then, hey. More power to you. Yeah, send us a message on on our Facebook page and let us know, like, you know, if this is true. If you don't suffer from this or you never had this issue, let us know why. What do you think, you know, what's what's the underpinnings? What's the background behind that? But we're going to get into this. So, um, imposter. With imposter syndrome... Um, it's a belief that you feel that you're inadequate or incompetent, um, despite the evidence that you are skilled, you are successful. I mean, you could have a million degrees, you can have a beautiful home, wonderful neighborhood, children are happy, like you can have it all. And for some reason, you are walking in this almost few, like in this fog as where you just don't believe it. And almost afraid that someone's gonna, you know, figure out, figure you out. Um, as an imposter, the feelings are generally um, accompanied with anxiety and depression. Because if you think about it, you're always in fear of, you know, being perfect and looking appropriate, or wondering if other people are receiving you or believing you to be this person, this highly successful, educated, whichever. Whatever it is that, you know, you are. Or you you believe that you're not. Um, We should probably talk more about, like, the different categories. Because when we were talking earlier, you talked about all those different subcategories of imposter syndrome. Yes. So, there's a lot of... uh, This particular um, authors and researchers, Valerie Young, Pauline Clance, and Susan Imes all did a lot of extensive research on imposter syndrome and um there's some categories that i think we need to talk about for instance you have the perfectionists they set excessively high goals for themselves and when they fail to reach the goal they're in like serious self-doubt and start to worry about merging up and probably this is all I always think that's the all or none thing if I'm not perfect I'm terrible if yeah. I can't do this then I'm just gonna fall apart so that's the perfectionist a lot of times you'll see that in people who are micromanagers they can't just let things be like you have people assigned to things and you're still trying to take over because you feel like you could do it better and they're not doing good enough or you don't trust them to do it good um Trust them to do it in the way you need it to be done. Hear, hear the word, need it to be done. You And you also have difficulty delegating tasks because of that. Like, you can't just assign people things because you're probably a little crazy. 
You know what's interesting? I can partially relate to this, <laughs> but the thing I don't relate to is my the work doesn't have to be 100% perfect 100% of the time. Okay. But I have a tendency to micromanage if I'm stressed. Mm. But the only other time I have difficulty delegating is because I just assume it's not going to be done the way I want it. Even if it's not 100% perfect, it won't be the under 100% perfect that I would want it to be. I ain't going to lie. Y'all, I'm not going to lie. Dr. (laughs) Monique had some of these issues. And I think it was more intense years ago than it is now. And I say years, maybe like three, four years ago. It might have been a little bit more intense. Only why... Oh, maybe maybe further back. And I think over time, it's, it's gotten better. Like, for instance, when my husband and I had our daughter, who she's eight, um, I was literally micromanaging everything. Like, he can hold up right. He can change the pamper right. Uh, can't make the, I was just so, like, literally breathing over his... <laughs> neck and I kind of <laughs> fell back and I, I saw myself being him getting a little annoyed with me and me kind of saying you know what Monique you need to chill out number one I was getting stressed out stressing him out to make sure he was doing everything for this little newborn and at the end of the day I was just like I had to tell myself like Monique the baby's alive she's alive she's breathing if her clothes on backwards or whatever it doesn't matter let him do his way and you do yours it took so much of me like that was a lot of self talk with that because um I had those I I would do that and I think growing up I I guess I'm going to connect people or certain situations happen I felt like people failed me and I think mm-hmm. that happened so much I decided that I have to do it so I don't know if it's more so being a perfectionist but it's also always feeling like I've been failed I have to do it cuz no one's going to do it the way I, it has to the way I'm going to do it and no one's going to be passionate the way I'm going to be passionate about Yeah I think there's a difference between being a perfectionist and not knowing that other people are reliable. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. It's still, though, so very similar. Yeah. So uh, another category we have is the superwoman or man. Uh, they tend to push themselves to work harder and harder to measure up to whatever they're measuring up to. Um, they, and it, they cover up for their insecurities a lot. Um, harm, it can only, it can not only harm your mental health, but your relationships. You are so obsessed with it that you probably don't have time to interact with other people the way you should. I got to finish this. I have to do this. I got to do it 10 times better. Like some common signs are, um, downtime when you're like, have nothing to do. You're either really anxious, really stressful. You feel like it's very wasteful to be doing nothing, even though you've probably been working and studying and been in school your whole life and you finally have time to relax as I'm talking about myself. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Why am I sitting down doing nothing? I have to get things done. And a lot of times it could be uncomfortable. Um, a lot of your hobbies kind of just dissipate. You don't really focus on them. I was really, really, really actually good at photography and interested in it. And that went away. There was a lot of other things that went away in my writing and I can definitely see that in myself. Um, so you, you would say that you relate to this one yeah, more than the last? Yeah. Because even look yeah. at this. Because, guys, we got this from fastcompany.com. We were just doing some Googling around, and they had some good examples. And one of the things they mentioned 
as a common trait or sign of someone who has a who is in the category of the superwoman or man, it says even with numerous degrees and visible achievements, you still feel inadequate. Ain't that something? I ain't gonna tell on myself right now, but my friend told me about myself the other day. He sure did. He sure did tell me about myself, and that's all I'm gonna say right now. But that, yeah, that can happen. Like you have all this success, and you still just don't feel you are there yet or enough yet, and you always are striving and trying to go after what. After a while, you gotta figure out what is it I'm going after again. Yeah, you need to live. If you keep looking forward, you're not going to be able to enjoy what, how you are now. Um, the Natural Genius. This if, is the one I think I relate to the most. Yes. So, The Natural Genius. Um, that if, sounds so arrogant. Oh, I I relate to The Natural Genius. I'm a natural genius. <laughs> I'm naturally just, you know, highly intelligent. It just, you know, it just comes easily. But I really do. <laughs> Listen. I really relate to this. And listen to it. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people out here who's listening who can relate to it. The natural genius. If they have to work hard at something, they assume they must be bad at it. Meaning, usually things come easy. So if you're struggling or you got a second guess or it might take a little longer than you thought it should, you start getting nervous and worried about your capabilities. You set a standard that is ridiculously high i mean really after, yeah really ridiculously high like you out most likely it's not there's not a lot of people doing the things that you probably set and you're doing too much and you know it but you can't stop it that's, that's usually you know, <laughs> you know i'm always doing too much <laughs> yeah team too much absolutely i'm like hey what if i like seriously when are you gonna find the time to do like that? honestly this kind of was an impulsive way of us doing too much because we were doing a whole lot anyway and then decided hey we're just gonna do a podcast and we're gonna make it up in 2.5 seconds got everything down packed boom that is kind of what it is but this is almost this is very therapeutic for me so i can say this was a good this was a good um decision um they usually judge and base their success on getting things right the first time and I can say that's not so me, but I'll get into that a little bit later. I want to talk about the signs or common signs or character traits of the natural genius. Um, they often avoid challenges because it may be so uncomfortable to try something that you're not great at. They might stay away from it. Um, like to stay safe. Um, and it has these questions like, were you the type that always achieved straight A's and always had the gold star? Remember the gold stars in kindergarten and first grade? You remember that? Every time you had the gold star, I used to get excited with my gold stars. Um, but I wasn't, I, that wasn't me. And you were always considered the smart one in the family or your group. Like your group of friends. Oh, yeah, you know, she's a smart one. She knows everything. She's this. So after a while of getting that pumped in your head, it's kind of hard not to not want to fail because everybody's expecting you to know everything and so that's quite that's a that's a lot of pressure now i'm going to say that um this is definitely not me and i think this maybe maybe pre early te- you know early teens it may have been me but things have changed so much and drastically that i realized that hey i'm gonna fall a couple times so i don't expect to get things right the first time it's nice but that doesn't really doesn't bug me out as much. And see, like I'm I'm naturally a really fast processor, 
And so, like, when I'm doing something, I want it done, like, the first time. Right now. Yeah, like, right now, I want it done, like, I want it to be done really, really well. Even if it's like, oh, I just watched a video of whatever, and I'm going to go and do it now. It needs to be done because I saw it, and I'm a fast processor. Like, I You just know what? To, like, that sounds like me today when or it wasn't yesterday when i told my husband like hey i think we can build our own pay for a patio and he was like what i was like i watched it on youtube it looks really easy you know i'm good with my hands my mom said i'm good with my hands you know i am i'm really good at it okay and he looked at me and said so if you watch youtube video of a doctor doing neurosurgery you think you can do it i was like no are you kidding me no but I know I can do a paper patio. It's, I know I can. It's easy. And, he, and I'm usually, I'm not that impulsive, but I kind of, when I saw it, I was just like, I can do this. I can totally do this. I remember my, um, when I was, even when I was a kid, I, I, I can actually remember me um, doing that where like we would be doing music theory and they would, they would do like intervals and we'd have to guess which interval it was. And I was just like, I'm getting it right the first time. Like point blank period. <laughs> like look what I'm I getting can do it right now. <laughs> look what I could do. And it wasn't because like, I wasn't necessarily comparing myself to other people in the class. Like I don't, I don't necessarily think comparatively too much, mm-hmm. but I just wanted, like, I was just like, I know I process quickly, so I'm going to make sure I get it the first time because I know how I am, you know? Go ahead. (laughs) You go ahead. Natural (laughs) genius. Very interesting. The rugged... I feel like we all can identify with a little bit of these. Um, The rugged individualist. They tend to feel like asking for help is going to reveal their vulnerability. And they feel like that's going to also make them an imposter. Like, if I ask you for help, you're going to know that I'm weak or you're going to know that I'm not perfect. And you might judge me, so I'd rather just not do it. Mm-hmm. And those common signs are you strongly feel that you need to accomplish things on your own. You feel you don't need anyone's help or you don't... You, um... Frame request in terms of requirements of a project rather than your personal needs as a person. Mm. Instead of just putting your putting yourself out there like, hey, I need help. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I guess I think that having to admit that you need help almost communicates that you're missing something. Mm-hmm. You're an And if you're missing something, then... It's almost like you feel like an imposter in a way because you. Do you hear the thunder? Ooh. <laughs> but if you admit that you're missing something, then it's like. It almost like ruins, like, quote unquote, ruins your witness in a lot of ways. It's like, <laughs> like who's going to listen to me now because yeah. I've had to ask them for help and I don't know everything. Mm hmm. That is true. But asking for help is a wonderful thing. Um, We have the expert. They deeply fear being exposed as an inexperienced or or unknowledgeable. And they're constantly seeking out trainings or certifications. 
because they think they need to improve their skills in order to succeed. I find that to be me very much a lot. That's sad. Um, and I don't know if it's sad. I feel like I'm always a big uh, uh, forever learner and I'm always wanting to provide the best care to my patients and I'm always looking at updated trainings. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I also um, fear being, you know, being exposed as unknowledgeable. So I'm constantly on top of everything. I think when I had to defend my research, I like, I think I probably, I, I mean, of course I passed, but I was so fixated on what if they asked me this and what if they asked me the statistics of this and what if they asked me how I got the statistics. I literally, I mean, I think that's, it's common for people, but the way I obsessed and I was so anxious about it, it wasn't, I mean, I, I don't know if I even gave him space to ask me questions, <laughs> questions mm. because it was just like so much. Yeah. That fear of being wrong and not knowing and and being in that place where it's just like, I don't know. But it's funny yeah. because I don't get nervous with my patients. I really, if they ask me a question that I really don't know, I will say, you know what? I'm not sure about that. I'll get back to you. I'll go, I'll burn, or I'll pull out, I'll pull up a certain book and say, listen, let me just look something up. I'm not afraid to do that with them because I feel it's important for them to see that. But when yeah. it's another expert or someone else, a colleague, then sometimes I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Are you judging me? Yeah. So You know what, though? Like, when it comes to the expert, I don't think that um, seeking out trainings or, like, different things like that or improving skill are bad things in mm -hmm. and of themselves. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's probably the intention Mm -hmm. That is problematic because the intention is like using knowledge and certification and education as a means of protection. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Those were the common ones. The rugged individualist, the expert, the natural genius, the superwoman man, or the perfectionist. Which one do you guys identify with the most? And do you identify with it at all? Um, I think we it would we would be doing you a disservice if we just ended it right there and not talk about how do we deal with these feelings. Because what I've read through a few articles and just searching that it's very common among new grads. It's very common around among like doctoral students or doctor well, as, soon as, as soon as they graduate. Um, that feeling of inadequate. Um, even though you've defended and you've done the research, you've done everything that you needed to do to prove yourself that you deserve this degree, you deserve this title, but you still feel somewhat, you don't feel like you deserve it. So I wonder if that's one of those things though, where like, you know, like the, the saying goes, the more, you know, the less, you know, <laughs> it, it could be. <laughs> and, and, and you know, what's funny. I, there was a meme that I found. Oh gosh, it was so funny. And I think it said that the, it was funny. It was like a little cartoon. It's, it was for, this is like basically saying the PhD student or the doctoral student. And it was saying that I've been reading my dissertation so much that I'm starting to believe it. That was <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I was like, yes. Like I'm starting to believe this nonsense. But it actually is real. And it's not nonsense. But you're just at that point. Why you look at yourself as less than like as if you're not in at this role you're cute yeah you did you're not you can't get a phd or a doctoral degree or a bachelor's degree or whatever it is you can't just get it 
and have no type of common sense, no kind of intelligence. You have to, of course, you're doing the work. Right. So That's why even in seeing, um, I try to reframe certain language for myself. So if I, I try to, I try to stop saying I got this particular grade and I try to change the language to I earned. That's a good one. So like I try to like change language to be more empowering as opposed to acting like I accidentally just ended up where I did. Yeah, and it's not an accident. I t- I know my grades are not an accident. I know. Yeah, because you know when you when you show up and you do the work and you apply yourself, mm-hmm. you earn what you mm-hmm. earned. Like, you earned what you worked for. Like when, before, I was like, oh my god, I got to be. When I got the B, I was like, you know, Monique, you earned that B. You know you didn't feel like doing some of the work toward the end of the class. So stop acting like you That's didn't know. That's the truth, though. <laughs> like, mm, how much energy do I have right now? You know what? I'm going to settle on a good B right mm-hmm. now. Sometimes <laughs> it's like that, you know what? And I'm glad that I'm more so that way than the person who obsessed to getting that A and looking perfect. Because the anxiety is, it can be, like, debilitating. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, so what are some things we can do about it? Okay, you're in this space, maybe finish grad school or you just got this new position and everyone around you has all these ample years of experience, but they all have the same position as you, but you just don't feel like you live up to it. What do you do? This is big for me. This, I think, is very important is to have a mentor. And I see more so now than I've had in the past because I feel like moving into a profession, into the professional world and walking around with a doctoral degree, especially in nursing, especially as a woman of color. Um, I kind of, I think I, for myself, sometimes I'm at this, this great area, like, okay, which way do I go? Like, I know what I want, but at the same time, how do I go, go about it? Am I doing this right? Who can I go to? A mentor, someone who's already in that space. And right. I think if you allow yourself to be vulnerable with someone who has the same, who's in the same situation or or has been in that same situation, they can validate those feelings of insecurity. And when I say validate, saying those feelings are very real because most likely that person who is now in place where you want to be or exp- and, and, um, aspire to be, most likely they'll tell you, hey, I'm just feeling the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was listening, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but I was listening to this podcast. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But if I can't, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was listening to this podcast and it was talking about people pleasing. Mm. And and I think I think some of imposter syndrome kind of folds into being a people pleaser in a way Mm -hmm. because you care about what other people think about you and how you're presenting yourself Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, um, in a very practical way, find people that you respect that are basically like mentors. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily wrong to want the approval of people, but it's more so like it's more so how you chal- how you channel that. Mm-hmm. So channel that energy into particular people that you want their approval and then don't worry about everybody else's. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Right? So, like, yeah, like, pick three or four people who you respect and for whatever reason in your field or you you respect their ear and music or whatever the case is. Pick however many people and then when you get their approval, 
don't worry about everybody else's. Absolutely. Just move on. Another thing is just remember that as much as common as it is to have those feelings, also remember it's irrational. Like you yeah. did not get this position because you accidentally interviewed like you with several into fa- it. faculty <laughs> members or you accidentally interviewed and got this big, you know, important position. You didn't just accidentally fall into it. You deserved right. it. You earned it. They saw right. something in you. There was something in you. There was something on your CV, your resume. There was something about you. They saw it all and said, this person deserves this position. So once you walk in that, once that is there, you need to accept it. And I'm actually talking to myself right now. So as I'm talking to you guys, I'm actually talking, preaching, like pouring that into myself. You deserve it. Um, I think it's also important that while you have mentors to look look toward, how about... Finding people to pour your knowledge into as like students or someone who may be very no- uh, novice in the field that you're in, that you're no longer a novice anymore. Like find students to give that knowledge because I think it does validate that, wow, I have a lot to share. I do have yeah, knowledge. I, that's and, good. And I think that's very rewarding. So a lot of teachers or professors will say, I love teaching. Of course you love teaching. Um, There's so many aspects to it, but I think it's very rewarding when you know that everything you went through and all the study and all the experience that you have can now be put into um, a vision or a plan for someone else who aspires to be like you. That is very rewarding. Yeah. And it's empowering because people are showing up Mm -hmm. for what you have to offer. Absolutely. Um, You need to remind yourself what you do really good. Like, what are you really good at? Remind yourself what you're good at. So it might help you to write a list of things that, of things that you are truly good at, you're successful at, and things that may need work. I by writing a list that is it it kind of gives the irrational the irrational thinking. It kind of goes away because you're starting to see on paper so solid, positive things that you're good at, and some things that you may need work on. And once yes. you see that, you don't have to talk about. Am I good enough to? Okay, now that I see that I may need to work on presentation or articulating myself, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. You know? that I mean, it's really much, really simple things like that that can go a long way. Yeah, and when people congratulate you for doing well, don't like... And I remember I used to do this, like someone would be like, oh my gosh, you, you, when you sang that song or whatever, it was, it was very moving. And like, I would feel so uncomfortable and not know where to put, like, <laughs> not know what to do with the compliment. So like, I was just like, oh, <laughs> like, now it's, like, now it's like, thank you. Yeah. And now I'm like, thank you. And I, and I think also sometimes singing at a church, you kind of don't know what to do if someone's like, man, worship was really moving or whatever. And like, <laughs> I remember seeing, like, seeing, I've never done this because I always thought it was ridiculous, but like seeing people like point up to God, you know, and be like, mm, yeah, like, you know <laughs> what? God gifted you and empowered you to be able to do what you just did. Mm-hmm. And so like, if somebody's compliments you, just say thank you. you yes. Know? Thank you. Thank you. And even if it feels uncomfortable, just say it. it and eventually it won't. <laughs> and process that. 
Yeah. So if someone says you did something really wonderful, it touched me, or I was really amazed by X, Y, and Z, say, you know what, thank you. And then I want you to kind of um, reflect on that. Like, you know, was that your intention? Yes, my intention was to be influential. My intention was to in- enlighten someone. My intention was to move move their spirit. So if those were your intentions, say, wow, wow. He, he said it and I did it. So I'm good at it. I, I, okay, I'm, val- I'm validating myself. That's what you should do. Validate yourself. And, yeah. Um, what's amazing is sometimes people tell you things that you don't even... That may not have been your intention, but the fact that it's, that it's been done, that's also a good um, way to just validate what you're good at and learn about what you're good at. I think someone... Not even someone. My old preceptor had said to me, there's something about the way you connect to people, Moni. You have people who I've been seeing for years who have never shared as much as they did in one in one interview or in one sitting. And he said, there's something about that. So I remember being a new student, very scared, like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to document right my psyche vows. And he said, that will come naturally. What doesn't come naturally is that connection. So mm. you are, he was like, you're ahead of the game. And I didn't even know how to receive that. But ever since he, I didn't know how to receive it in the beginning, but ever, yeah. ever since then I started to realize what he was talking about. And I said, I'm good at that. I am good yeah. at that. Um, one more thing to think about or um, some practical things we should do when we're starting to have this imposter thinking and, you know, very irrational thinking it can be. It's just, you need to change the way you think. So I kind of, our conversation we just said was really about that. Changing the way you receive things. Start to kind of think about why am I feeling this way? And get the irrational thoughts at at bay. Get them, put them at bay by validating yourself and also putting yourself around validating people. It really takes time to change the way you think, especially if you always had this all or nothing thought process or negative thought process or whatever you would like to call it. But the more you work at it, the more you are more um, mindful of those things, the easier it becomes. And over time, you will no longer be as insecure or or even, you may not even think like this anymore. Um, and of course, talk to a therapist. Find a psychologist, a therapist, someone who's trained, who can help give you the tools or provide the tools you need to kind of change the way you think by changing the way you think um you're just going to be more successful happier you're not going to think about those things you just got to need to be free be free to enjoy who you are and i'm actually on that journey as much as we identify with a lot of those things just let you know that we're all we all go through this but i'm also in that journey of really accepting and enjoying it enjoying things that I have never gotten to enjoy yes yeah and and it's not it's not prideful to be able to own things that you do and things that you have done mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. if anything it's it's humility for you to be able to own who and what you are mm-hmm. and what you've done and yeah. where you're heading Absolutely. So, guys, that's the end of the episode. Um, as usual, all of the show notes will be available to you so you can see all the sources and related links. If you want to connect with us on Facebook, you can find us at at The Emergent Experience. And um, if you have any 
questions or comments or show suggestions, topic suggestions, you can send us an email at hello at theemergentexperience.com. And as usual, we're going to leave you with this quote by Malibo Safodi. When you know you're enough, when you stop focusing on all things that you're not, when you stop fussing over perceived flaws, when you remove all imposed and unbelievable expectations on yourself, when you start celebrating yourself more, when you focus on all that you are, when you start believing that your perceived flaws are just that, perception. Till next time. Bye. Bye.